Hey everybody, welcome to episode 220 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris coming to you from Austin, Texas. Excited about this episode. I got a question last week from one of the athletes in my podcast training group. We call them the Renegades Worldwide, so shout out to the Renegades. But the question was about the down week and how to modulate work during the down week. And it made me start thinking about the fact that I hadn't really talked about that on this show that much. And so I wanted to cover today an episode on the anatomy of the down week, how to use the down week in order to not only stay injury free, but also to build optimal fitness. So we'll get to that in just a second. Before we get there, I wanted to talk about the big announcement from last week in the running community, which is that the Boston Marathon has picked a date for its race in the fall. We do not yet have news about registration details or how that's going to work in terms of the qualifying window and all of those big questions that we all have, but we do now have a solidified fall calendar as at least at least as it relates to the marathon majors. And we're going to have an unprecedented run of basically 3 months of major marathons where the best of the best will theoretically go head to head starting with the Olympic marathon August 7th and 8th the women's marathons on August 7th the men's on August 8th then you've got September 26th the Berlin marathon October 3rd London October 10th Chicago Monday October 11th Boston October 17th Tokyo and then November 7th on its more traditional date, the New York City Marathon. And so there you go. In those three months from August to November, essentially you've got every single major marathon going pretty much back to back to back to back, which is nuts. Now that these dates are picked, it does raise some questions about the certainty of whether or not these races will happen You've already seen the London Marathon say that they want to have 50,000 people in person, which would be their largest race ever. They've also talked about wanting another 50,000 competing virtually in the London Marathon now that that's an avenue that we've established. And so there are high expectations about the ability to have these races actually happen in person. And there's still questions as to whether that's possible. And I know many in my world have asked me, what do I think? Will these races happen or not as these dates are laid out? And I think if I were to put a wager on it, if you made me bet on it, I would say the answer is yes. I do think these races will happen, but just perhaps with new parameters in place as to how you can actually qualify to compete for example, I think there could be potentially a vaccine requirement that you have to show proof of your vaccine in order to actually get your packet and show up on race day. This weekend, we've got the Super Bowl, and I think that it's an important event for runners, actually, in sort of a weird and ironic way, which is that they're going to have live in-person fans at the Super Bowl, I think approximately 22,000 people in person at the Super Bowl this weekend. And the vast majority of those, if not all, will be vaccinated healthcare workers. And that's the NFL's way of giving back to those 
on the front lines of this pandemic. And so this event, this Super Bowl, will set a precedent for mass vaccinated events. And I think that could potentially snowball into other events that happen with exclusively vaccinated people all the way to potentially these races coming in the fall where perhaps you have to show your vaccine card or some will say by that point we'll have a vaccine passport in order to actually compete. If not that, perhaps it will be a requirement that you have some sort of rapid test or rapid negative test prior. But given those factors and the possibility that you could have a a vaccine-only registration opportunity or a vaccine-only race packet pickup opportunity, then then I think it's possible for that to happen. Then the question next becomes, well, how quickly are we all going to be able to get vaccines? I don't know what the picture is like in other countries, but it does look like in the U.S. at least, the goal of the current administration is to have 300 million people vaccinated by September. And that's actually more than there are adults in the United States. I think there's about 270 million adults. And so that target for the administration is actually higher than the number of adults out there and certainly higher than the number of people that would be willing to be vaccinated. So if they're able to pull that off and signs are pointing to yes, given the availability of the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine, as well as potentially the Johnson and Johnson, Novavax and AstraZeneca vaccines that could be getting approvals relatively quickly, then I do think there's a chance that we could have people vaccinated to a point of being able to have mass races by October in the U.S., which would be the first date on the major calendar here in the U.S. And so given those things, given those factors, I think there is hope. I do think that if you want to do a race like that, then you're going to do everything that you can to get a vaccine between now and then. And certainly, if you want to do a race like that, you have to be willing to get a vaccine most likely in order to be able to show up on a start line like that. So that's something to think about. I know that navigating that vaccine distribution process is tricky and it seems to vary depending on where you are, what state you're in, what city you're in, and so forth. But I would just encourage everyone to get educated Find out about the prioritization methods being used in your local jurisdiction. And then, of course, join those vaccine wait lists as they become available. Speaking for the Austin area, I know that there are at least two vaccine wait lists that I know of, including one with the city of Austin Public Health itself, and then one with Del Seton. I also know that you can get on wait lists in surrounding areas including one that I've seen from the Bastrop area, which is a close drive to Austin. And so if you want to get a vaccine, I do think, especially right now, you're going to have to be proactive about seeking out those opportunities, especially if you're in those high-risk categories while this vaccine distribution process is getting sorted out. So that's my prediction. I do think these world majors will happen. It's going to be exciting as a fan. It's going to be interesting to see who does 
multiple of these events from the elite side. And then certainly I know there will be a push from many in the just mass participation side to try to do multiple of these majors. And so that's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be fun as a fan and exciting to get back to in-person races again. And so I'm hopeful, fingers crossed, that that will be true. But I do think you're probably going to need your vaccine to do it. And watch for the Super Bowl this weekend. Again, I think that is a precedent-setting event that could set the stage for further future mass uh, mass events among vac- vaccinated people. So check that out this weekend and go Chiefs. <laughs> All right. So that's just a quick intro. Let's jump into my topic for today. I wanted to talk about the anatomy of a down week. First of all, just want to give you a brief overview of what is a down week. Then we're going to talk about why take down weeks. And then lastly, we'll talk about the how of down weeks. What are the factors that you should be considering? How you should be incorporating this into your training? So first of all, what is a down week? Just quickly, it is as the name implies. It is a week where you take your volume down a little bit in order to recover consolidate fitness before you build back again to higher weeks to come. We'll talk about what all the details of that imply and how we apply it here within the real running world in just a second. But that's the idea. You'll see oftentimes training programs out there that are written essentially in a robotic fashion where all the weeks just build on each other. You go up, 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 up. And there's never that opportunity to take a down week, drop volume a little bit, recover, consolidate fitness before you move on. And so that's the idea that we're going to talk about. And if your training program doesn't have something like that built in, then I would highly encourage you to, to build it in so that you can, get, again, get those recovery opportunities in order to build beyond once you get back into those more intense weeks. So that's quickly what a down week is. Why take a down week? And there's really two primary reasons for taking down weeks. The first is to prevent injury. So it's that opportunity to balance those more stressful weeks with a recovery week in order to give your muscles, tendons, ligaments a break so that they're not always being stressed at the max level so that you can have that opportunity to recover in a way that allows you to stay healthy, stay consistent, as I mentioned in my episode last week, and then prevent injury. The parallel to this is a recovery day during the week. After you do a quality workout, after you do a long run, you you will take that next day as a recovery day, that active rest that I discussed in episode 219, And so this is that same concept, but actually applied across a week. So just like you have your recovery periods during a week, you also need your recovery periods during a month or in the case of Roga, in a three-week period. So you have that opportunity to recover and then ultimately stay healthy and then consistent so that you can keep doing the work for the long term. So that's number one. Number one reason for a down week is to help prevent injury so that you can stay consistent. Number two reason for a down week is to consolidate your fitness gains. It's important to note that you don't actually build fitness when you're doing the hard work. 
When you're doing the hard work, you're tearing yourself down. Just like if you go to the gym, you lift weights, you're tearing your muscles down so that when you take a break from that muscle group, those muscles build back stronger on the other side. And the same is true with our aerobic fitness. When we're doing the work, we're actually applying stress to the system that tears us down a little bit so that when we take the breaks, we have the opportunity to build to a higher place. And so your actual fitness gains, your consolidation of fitness around the work happens during these recovery opportunities. Not only on those recovery days, that active rest during a week, but also during these down weeks as you might put together an entire training block. And so that's the second and equally important reason why we take down weeks. So one, to prevent injury so that you can stay consistent. And two, so that you can consolidate your fitness gains so that ultimately you allow yourself to get faster in the long term. What happens when you don't take opportunities like this, when you just keep hammering consistently, then you will plateau most likely. You will also most likely get injured because you never take that opportunity to rest, recover, rebuild, consolidate fitness before you go back to another stressful cycle. And so those are the two primary reasons. One, prevent injury. Two, to consolidate your fitness gains. Without these opportunities to rest, you will not actually achieve your highest potential because you're always going to be essentially beating your head against a wall instead of promoting that appropriate stress and rest balance. Now, that's the why. Let's talk about the how of a down week. And I've got six things, six tips, six elements of a down week that we'll talk about here. The first one relates to the timing of a down week. How often are you incorporating a down week into your training? In the road community, in our world, we like to do it in a three-week cycle. So we'll take two up weeks and then the third week is a down week. In some cases, I have heard of a four-week cycle where athletes are taking a down week every fourth week. So they'll take three weeks up and then one week down. That, I believe, would be more specific to a really resilient athlete who certainly has experience with that type of cycle. For us, the three-week cycle has worked the best, and that is for really all levels of athletes within our training programs, from those beginners all the way all the way to the advanced experienced athletes that are extremely focused on a particular time goal. So it is ubiquitous, meaning it carries across all of our athletes, but you want to take a down week every third week. Incidentally, this also approximates a 10-day cycle that you might hear with an elite athlete type of program. A lot of these elite athletes will use a 10-day cycle where they're doing a long run every 10 days, a big long run every 10 days with two or three workouts as well during that 10-day cycle. And so over the course of 20 days, they're having two big long runs and then a handful of workouts to go with that. In the case of working professionals, we typically can't do a 10-day cycle because that would mean perhaps doing a long run during the middle of the week, and that can be challenging for us where we need to invest our 
time at least during the week. And so taking down weeks every third week approximates that in the sense that we'll have two big long runs up over two weeks. And then that third weekend, you'll drop the long run mileage so that ultimately you end up within a 21 day cycle. You end up with two big long runs, just like if you were on a 10 day cycle. And obviously they're spaced differently, but you're getting essentially the same amount of work, the same type of stimulus in that same period of time. And you've just reallocated a little bit how those recovery days and those long run days are positioned. So that's number one is we encourage you take a down week at least every third week. For those that might want to experiment with longer than that, I think that's okay, but I would just do it cautiously and you would need to be someone who has a history of being extremely resilient and who has a history of experience at higher mileage levels at higher training volumes. So that's number one, take a down week every third week. Number two, and again, this is kind of where the name comes, which is that you're going to be reducing volume during the down week. Typically, we like to see that anywhere from 10 to 20% from your traditional peak mileage. And so if you're running 40 miles a week, for example, on average during your up weeks, then you would drop to 32 to 36 miles per week during those down weeks. Where you fall within that range can vary depending on what you think you need. It can also vary based on what you might need in a given moment. And so I always give that range for athletes to take more on those weeks where they're feeling particularly beat up and maybe take less when they're feeling a little bit more okay, a little bit more spry, a little bit less in need of recovery. But either way, you're dropping mileage. You just have a range with within which you can work. The last thing you want to do here is be really pedantic and really rigid about how you think about these things because we always want to make sure we're listening to our body. But typically, down weeks will be a 10 to 20% drop in volume. Most of that will come from the long run and the medium long run. So let's talk about that for a second. During down weeks for Athletes that are typically in higher mileage levels and potentially doing more than 16 miles on their long run, so averaging 18 to 20 perhaps, for that type of athlete, you could drop that down week to somewhere between 14 up to as much as 16 if you're in the middle of marathon training and you're coming off of 20-mile runs. So you're going to see that that long run drops about 25%. And so you're going to drop about four miles from your typical peak for the long run itself. So that higher mileage runner might see a, a down week long run in the 14 to 16 mile range. Then that athlete who's doing 12 to 16 miles typically on long runs will cut back to somewhere between eight and 12, maybe eight and 10. And then somebody who's under 10 might be dropping back to somewhere between four and eight miles, depending on where they are. But again, you're going to see that for that down week, long run in particular, you're dropping about four miles per week, about or about 20 to 25% of that specific long run distance. 
So that's one area where you, where you will drop mileage. And then the other area where you will drop mileage is on that medium long run, that second longer run that typically happens during the week. And for that run, I like to see half marathoners working in the six to eight mile range for that run. And I like to see marathoners in the eight to 12 mile range typically. And for that particular run, you can drop by a couple of miles. So typically about 20% there as well. And so you're dropping that long run about 25%, that medium long run about 20%, four and two miles respectively. And then I want you to primarily keep all the other runs during the week about a similar distance. So most of that volume drop is coming from the long run and from the medium long run. So that's point two is reduce your volume anywhere from 10 to 20% with most of that coming out of the long run and the medium long run. Point three, and this is critical, I want you to keep your routine. So during the down week, with some exceptions that I'll talk about, I want you to run all the normal days that you would run. Again, you're just reducing volume on those days. So if you're typically running five days a week during a normal week, I want you to run five days a week during the down week, and again, just reduce total volume on those days. If you're typically running six days a week, again, run six days a week, but just reduce the volume on a few of those days. Same applies if you're doing four days or three days. Keep the consistent routine. Again, it goes back to what I was talking about in episode 219. Consistency is king, and we want to maintain that consistent routine so that your legs don't fall out of the rhythm of it, which will help you stay consistent, which will help you stay healthy, which will help you maintain that ability to ramp up when you go back into your up weeks. So maintain the routine. Don't drop days. Dropping days will leave you a little bit flat and potentially open up some risk of injury when you do go back to a full week in the week after. So that's Point three, keep that routine consistent. Keep the number of days you would normally run. Just as I said in point two, reduce the volume on some of those days, particularly that long run and that medium long run. Number four, keep your quality, meaning your speed workouts, but you'll likely just adjust that speed a little bit during a down week so as to fit the purpose of the week. Oftentimes, we like to work on what we call speed development during a down week. So this is an opportunity to work some of the higher end speeds while you're reducing volume, but you're doing that in a way that perhaps shortens the overall total distance of the workout, of the actual miles at workout paces on that day, or potentially increases your rest on these days. So this is a week typically during down weeks where we actually like to work higher in speeds. I like to work a lot of 5k paces for those half marathons, marathoners and marathoners during a down week. So you're working the higher end of the range, making sure that we're tapping the system of speed so that we don't again get flat and so that we maintain the the quality and the durability of those fast twitch muscles. And so we're tapping the higher end speed, but we're likely shortening the overall volume of the actual speed work, not necessarily the volume for that day, but the volume for the actual workout portion. And then 
typically also increasing our rest so that we have plenty of recovery between those reps. So what could that look like? That could be 400s at 5K pace, for example, with plenty of rest. That could be in and out 200s where you're doing 200s on at 5K pace or faster, followed by 200s recovery. Those are a couple of examples. It could be potentially 800 reps where you're starting perhaps at 10K pace and maybe working to a little bit faster as that workout progresses. But you're typically during the down week working the VO2 max into the range, just reducing overall workout volume a little bit and likely making sure you have plenty of rest so that the balance of it all works together with the purpose of the down week. So that's number four. Keep your quality. Think about the intensity of that quality, the paces that you're working, but just making sure you're reducing overall workout volume as well as making sure you have plenty of rest during that quality. So that's point number four. Keep the quality. It's important. Okay, now point number five, invest your extra time in recovery. Invest your extra time in recovery. You're going to be doing likely a little bit less time on your feet this week because you're reducing that volume 10 to 20%. And so if that's four miles, for example, let's say it's five, we'll just round up five and you're, let's say you're running nine minute miles. So that's 45 minutes of time that you're not running that you can invest in recovery. So what does that look like? And again, that time is going to vary depending on what your total volume is, but you could take that extra 45 minutes and invest it in something that is recovery oriented. It could be taking a nap during the week. It could be spending extra time on your foam roller. It could be investing in cooking a high quality meal full of whole foods post long run so that you actually replenish the muscles in your body with the appropriate mix of macronutrients. There's a host of things that you can do and it likely depends on what typically works for you and what your body needs. But take that extra time that you're not investing in running in that week and invest it in some sort of recovery. Could mean getting a massage, a 45-minute massage. So that's important. This isn't necessarily about taking less time with your training. It's about reinvesting the time you do take in a slightly different way. So a little bit less in a little bit less invested in the actual running on your feet time, a little bit more invested in the recovery time. Taking a nap is a big part of that. There is also a big mental component here. Is you're you're also as a result of putting a little bit less time in your feet, you're giving yourself a little bit more wiggle room and training. You're investing a little bit more in some sort of recovery modality that might be more meditative. Then there's also a mental break that happens when you're putting a little bit less time into your running during the week so that you can get just a hair more of mental recovery so that you can then invest more mental energy into those harder weeks. So not only are we getting a physical recovery, but we're also getting a little mental break because we want these down weeks to be both, to be mental and physical recovery so that when you go back to your up weeks, you're really ready to invest what you need to invest, again, both physically and mentally. 
So that's number five. Invest the extra time in some sort of recovery modality depending on what you need. Number six. This is sort of the counterpoint to this. To number five. Do not do anything new. Do not do anything new. There's a temptation, just like maybe during a taper before a race where you're having a little extra time in yourself or a little extra time to yourself because you're reducing training volume. There's a temptation to add something to your routine, to add something to your list, to think, oh, I'll do X, Y, Z this week because I can because I'm spending a little bit less time in running. And that is a fool's errand. It is a booby trap to avoid. Do not be tempted to add something to your list on the down week. Sometimes athletes, when I've talked to them, sometimes that's come up as, well, I'm going to add strength this week that I haven't been doing, or I'm going to do a project in my backyard that I haven't done to this point, or I'm going to change my diet in some way during a down week. And that is not something I want you to do during a down week. Try to keep everything as consistent as possible. Just simply reduce the total total volume, reinvest some of that time in recovery so that again, you can stay healthy, consolidate fitness so that when you go back to your next two up weeks cycles, you're ready to roll. Okay. So that's the how. Again, quickly, six things. Take your down weeks every third or fourth week. Number one, number two, reduce volume 10 to 20%, primarily focus on volume reductions in the long run and the medium long run. Number three, keep your routine, run all the days you normally run. Again, just reducing volume on some of those days. Number four, keep your quality, but likely just shorten the duration of the actual work as well as increase your rest time so that you can continue to keep those fast twitch muscles alive. Number five, Invest your extra time not running into some recovery modality. And number six, avoid the temptation, resist the temptation to try something new during the down week. So, all right, so those are the quick guidelines. Before we wrap, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you might feel because some of you may be now, after listening to this, incorporating these down weeks into your training for the very first time. And I highly encourage you to do that if you haven't already. But there is a myth out there that intuitively makes sense, which is that you would think that if I'm taking this down week, I'm actually going to feel good during my down weeks. And unfortunately, (laughs) that's just not true. Typically, what you'll find is that you don't actually feel great during the down week itself because your body is in a recovery mode. It recognizes what you're doing and it starts to work on the body so that it can come back stronger during those up weeks. And when that's happening, oftentimes you'll feel sluggish. You'll feel sluggish a little bit perhaps on your runs. You'll feel sluggish a little bit during the quality workout. You'll think, wow, if I don't feel great this week, how am I ever gonna feel great on the next up week? And you just have to trust the process because that's the way it works. It's the same type of feeling you might get during the taper 
when you start to feel sluggish, you start to doubt everything. We call that taper madness around here, where you start to think there's no way I'm going to be able to go on race day and do what I think I can because I feel terrible during this taper time. I, th- I equate that feeling to the same feeling you might have during the down week, which is you may not feel good. You may feel a little sluggish. You may not feel like it's working, but it is. If you're following the guidelines I just mentioned, it is working. And then when you go back to that next up week, that's when you'll notice the difference. You'll notice the difference on the up, up weeks and be able to deliver on those more challenging weeks when they do come by incorporating these down weeks into your training. So that's one point I want to make just so that there's no surprises as you incorporate these perhaps for the first time. Another point I want to make is that a down week is intended to be flexible. This is also an opportunity for you to intuitively listen to your body and give it what it needs during this down week. So again, don't be pedantic about it. Don't be too rigid about it. Give yourself some flexibility within these guidelines that I mentioned. And so what does that mean? I give that 10 to 20% volume reduction range because sometimes you're going to need 20% and sometimes you're going to need 10%. Sometimes you might even need more than 20%. You may need to take 25 or 30%. That's okay. Listen to your body, listen to what it's telling you, and then follow that if you can. Now, if you're going to do that, I still encourage you to keep all the days you would normally run, just reduce volume on some of those days, but listen to your body, flex it based on what it's telling you that you need. And when you first start doing these, you may not know, but that's okay. Listen, learn, adapt, and then obviously get better at this as you go. There is no perfect in this game, it is only an evolution of getting better at it as you really hone in on what you might need during the week. And I can tell you, as someone who's been running for 20 years, I know more now than I did 10 years ago about what my body needs, but I still am learning and I'm still occasionally making mistakes and I'm still learning from those mistakes and then incorporating that, incorporating that into my next cycle. So you're never going to be perfect with this. Listen, learn, adapt, and then keep experimenting with what your body might need. And then you will get better at this over time. So that's it. Short and sweet episode as those down weeks should be a little bit shorter than normal. That's the anatomy of a down week, at least as we apply it in our world. I think if you start applying applying this in your world, if you haven't already, then you'll see that recovery opportunity increase. So that you can then, again, stay healthier as well as get more from your fitness over time by giving your body what it needs in the rest phase, in the rest period. So go take a down week and enjoy. All right, that's a wrap on this episode number 220. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. You can also follow me at Rogue Chris. And that's it for this week. I'll be coming back to you with another episode next week. I've actually got the author of the book that I mentioned in my first episode of the new year on somatic movement therapy. She's going to be on Sarah Warren. I think you're really going to want to hear this. She's got some really novel things to talk about as it relates to managing running related injuries. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk to you next week.